Today on Blue 58, the Packers hung tough with the Philadelphia Eagles but couldn't overcome a tremendous rushing effort by the home team. Along the way, they lost Aaron Rodgers but also got a look at Jordan Love. So what comes next? Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for episode number 600. Got to take a second here at the start to say thank you. This is a super fun thing to do, and I'm grateful that I get to do it. I don't ever really spend any time thinking about not doing this, but there are two times that I do. At the end of every season, kind of do a little self-reflection. Is this something we want to keep doing? The answer has always been yes so far. And every time we get to big round numbers, and 600 is a pretty big number. So every time I get to one of those, I ask myself some questions. First, am I still having fun doing this? Second, do I still have things to say? And third, is this probably most importantly a still a sustainable part of my life? The first two are easy yeses here at episode number 600. And the third one is two. Thanks in part to the people who make it possible in my, in my life. I have to thank my wife for allowing me to do this. Uh, making it possible, you know, handling kids in times when we got to handle kids and being a part of the show from time to time. And hopefully you'll hear more from her in the future. But just as importantly, nearly as importantly, are people like you, the people who listen to the show. Because if you didn't keep showing up, there would be no reason to continue to do this. As much fun as I have just talking into a microphone, if you didn't keep showing up, it wouldn't wouldn't matter. So thank you for doing this. This show has grown beyond my wildest dreams. I never really had a plan. We didn't know what this was going to be when we started Blue 58, and it's become something that is really special to me. So thank you for that, and thank you for continuing to tune in week after week and, and day after day and game after game, no matter what happens for the Packers. The second thing I want to mention before we talk about this game is how I want you to be a bigger part of this show. We're using a tool called SpeakPipe. We've gotten some input there this year. I would like to have more. There's a link in every episode description that gives you the chance to weigh in on what we talk about on the show and what the Packers are doing. So after every game in particular, I want you to click that link and give us your thoughts. You don't need an app. You don't need to install anything. Just click on a link, give your name and email address, and fire off 30 seconds worth of thoughts about the Packers game. I'd love to compile a bunch of people's takes on the game and make a little feature if we get enough of them. I just want your voices to be a part of the show, too. So consider doing that. Sound off about what happened in this game. Take a look at that link. Let us know your thoughts. So Packers-Eagles. This game, at first thought, well, let me back up. I watched, uh, listened to a great podcast from Dan Carlin a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you've been a long-time listener, maybe even a short-time listener of the show, you know that the great Dan Carlin of Hardcore History and Common Sense and Hardcore History Addendum is one of my favorite podcasters. And the, the guy, the, one of the single greatest influences on the show itself. And a couple of weeks ago, he did an episode about boxing. He's a big boxing fan in part because of the history behind boxing and, and things like that. So I've thinking, been thinking about a lot of boxing-related things lately. And that's appropriate for the Packers playing in Philadelphia because... As you know, there's a pretty famous fictional boxer connected to that city. There's been a gazillion Rocky movies and now at least three Creed movies, and they're all varying levels of, I feel like, pretty good. Rocky V, maybe not so much. But the first Rocky movie is not even about Rocky winning. It's about Rocky going the distance with Apollo Creed. And as this game wore on, 
I felt like that was the situation we were watching for, unfold. Early on, it felt like the, a game that the Packers were trying to end early. Like they were trying to just go for the knockout punch and see if they could land a big one on the champ and just knock him out. Because make mo- no mistake, even though we didn't do a preview episode for this one because of the Thanksgiving holiday in there, we would have been heavily in favor of the Eagles winning this game. Never felt like it was super in doubt, though it was pretty close there in the first half for a little while after a great response by the Packers. But if it was a boxing match, it would be a situation, it felt like a situation early on where a guy knows he's overmatched and is just going to try to end it early in hopes that something crazy happens. But it kind of transitioned as the game wore on to a situation where the Packers were just going to try to hang around and see what happened. It never really was as close as it looked in the second half. Philadelphia was in control for most of it, but the Packers were right there at the end. They're an onside kick away of getting a chance to drive for a tie. And I realized that sounds like a, you know, it's a, it is a really tall order there. They, it wasn't, there was a lot of things that had to go right for the Packers to tie this game up, but it wasn't outside the realm of possibility there in the fourth quarter. The end result, though, is that they still lost. They're still 4-8. and eight. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. The Packers have a 3% chance of making the playoffs, according to 538. It's not technically over yet. They are not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But if there's a fat lady that sings... She is warming up and preparing to take the stage. We did get to see some Jordan Love. And if you talk about things that went well in this game, I think you have to start there. Because he looked really good. Some caveats, he's playing with nothing to lose, which is, or playing like he had nothing to lose, which is fair because there was nothing to lose. If he plays well, good, great, we love that. If he plays bad, who cares? Nobody expected anything from anybody on this team playing against the Eagles. And you were playing garbage time anyway with a long, long odds of success. But he was delivering the ball on time, with authority, with confidence, with accuracy. You don't want to make too much of just two drives, especially ones where Philadelphia is playing pretty soft defense. But he moved the ball pretty well. They're a dropped Randall Cobb pass in the end zone away from two touchdowns there. Yes, Christian Watson did a lot of the work on one touchdown, but that's the offense. He comes out of the play action, action, delivers a a great ball to Watson, and Watson does the rest. That's what you're supposed to do. So you can't ding him too much for that, if at all. Sure, you shouldn't give him overly much credit for it either. He did just throw one pass, and Watson did most of the rest. And because he's just such a freak show athlete, he made that possible. But still... Love delivered a good ball, and he played well. Elsewhere on the offense, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, probably their best game together of the season. Running hard, running well. Statistically, I don't know how it stacks up. I didn't go back and compare it to all of his other games, but it felt like A.J. Dillon's best game of the season. He ran hard you know, in the running game as a receiver, He looked like a different player than what we've seen in the 11 previous games or whatever it was this year. It's been great. He was great. And so is Aaron Jones running with balance, running hard. 
he is so tough to bring down and so much fun to watch just because it doesn't seem like the things he does should be possible for a guy who looks like he does. Not just that he's small, because there are small running backs who have succeeded in the NFL, but he runs through contact and runs off of contact and, and stays upright, if not upright, horizontal and still going forward. Just incredible strength and toughness and drive and all of those, you know, coach speak sort of things that you you throw out there when you don't have anything of substance to say about a guy. But that that is Aaron Jones. He is all those things. He does all the technical things well, to be sure. Reads his blocking well. He's a good receiver, as we saw tonight. But he has all those intangible sort of things, too, that you just love to see from guys. And he plays with kind of an infectious joy, too. If he was on my team, I feel like I would want to play hard just because of how hard he plays all the time. Even though he's maybe 5'10 and maybe 195 pounds. Really don't believe either of those numbers. He plays like he cares so much, and you want your effort to match his. And finally, among our three good things, Keyshawn Nixon. Running so hard and so fast on kickoff returns, every return feels like it could be something. Which is a similar feeling, but different to what we had with Amari Rogers, where it felt like every kickoff or punt return was going to be something bad. He had 172 return yards in this game, and I throw that out there because that is more than Amari Rodgers had in 10 games. He had 122 return yards in 10 games. Nixon had 172 in this game. I don't want to say or go too far down the road of they've really got something here because I think there's a pretty specific range of skills that you're looking for from a guy returning kicks and you can't just plug anybody in back there but there are other guys who have those skills but Nixon has been great and that shouldn't take away just that the fact that there may be other guys out there who can do similar things shouldn't take away from what he actually is doing there's being able to do it and there's actually doing it and Nixon is doing it on defense I'm not even gonna or on the off other side of the ball, I'm not even going to bother counting to three as we as we go to the the bad things. Because for one, I don't think I could find a good thing from the the defense. But for another, everything about the defense was just so bad that it's hard to get specific. We've used and abused the phrase surprised by the obvious here. This goes beyond that. It's not so much that, well, it's like a couple years ago, the Packers lose a bad game to the Vikings on a cold day at Lambeau Field where it's super windy just because the Vikings run outside zone and then do play action passing. They ran the simplest possible version of the offense that they run, and the Packers were just completely unable to stop it. This is orders of magnitude worse than that. Because it's not just being surprised by the obvious, it's just getting gashed again and again and again and again. It's not even that it's like, hey, the Eagles like to run. Yes, they do. But they ran so much and so well that it's hard to even figure out what to get mad at. It's just you're mad at everything out there. 
you're looking at the Packers defense saying, somebody do something. Just, they're going to run the ball. Have a little pride. 350-something rushing yards is being more than just getting caught by a team that likes to run the ball. That's an entire game worth of offense in one phase of your offense. How does that happen? I realize the Packers are hurting up front. I realize that Dean Lowry has been a liability against the run since he came to the Packers. But they've got to figure out a way to just do something in that sort of situation. Situational football, though, was just as bad. One series in particular really sticks out. The Eagles are driving right before halftime, and the Packers get them into a third and 14. And the Packers play super soft. The TV copy, Jair Alexander, is out of the picture at the bottom of the screen. Rasul Douglas, nearly that far off at the top of the screen. And you can see what the Packers are thinking. They've got to go 14 yards. All we got to do is hold them to 13, and they're either going to punt or kick a field goal. But that is not how the NFL works anymore. That is not what the Packers are up against. Because what happened? The Eagles get 13 yards on third and 14. And then on fourth down, sneak, first down, they go down and get a touchdown. Teams are more willing to go for it than ever. You can't just hold them to 13 yards on third and 14 and feel like you've done your job. After second down and you get them to third and 14, you've got two downs to go. Not just one. It's two downs. And that feels so simple to say. But this is just like basic Madden game management strategy. The Eagles aren't going to kick a field goal here. They know that if they get into blank and short, they can run the ball and get the first down that they need. And they know that they can get points on this defense because they've moved the ball well in the first half. Why would they kick on fourth and one? I would think even out to like fourth and four, they had to be thinking, we might want to go for it here. Because at that point, you're probably too far out for a field goal, but you probably shouldn't punt it either. So what do the Packers do? They give up the 13, the Eagles get the one, and then they go get seven. Leave Joe Barry in Philadelphia. If you can't figure out that the Eagles are going to run, if you can't manage those sort of game situation sorts of things, if you can't figure out how to just do the basic stuff, Get everybody on the same page. Just get organized. Week in and week out. It, it never seems like the Packers are, are ready. What are you doing here? And on top of that, you see the Packers linebackers out of position, unprepared, guessing, reading incorrectly. Joe Barry has been a linebackers coach in the NFL for like 16 years. That's been his bread and butter out of three short stints as a defensive coordinator in Detroit, in Washington, and now in Green Bay. He's primarily been a linebackers coach. And of all the issues on the Packers defense, 
the linebackers are right up there at the top because the Packers have a bunch of talent there and it's not showing up on a week-in, week-out basis. And that has to be on Joe Barry. He's, it just has to be better. And it hasn't gotten better, so now it's just got to be different. It can't be Joe Barry anymore. It just can't be. It's got to be done. We got to be done with this now. So what does this mean? Packers are four and eight. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. He says post game he doesn't think he's going to shut it down unless he has to. Okay, Jordan Love played pretty well. I don't know how much more over it needs to get. Like we said, it's three percent chance the Packers make the playoffs at this point. That even feels a little bit high. And as exciting as the game was, the end result still pushes the Packers that much closer to mathematical elimination. So in the grand scheme, it means about the same as a 40-7 to loss. Instead, it's just 40-33. to But still, it does feel better, though there is no such thing as a moral victory. What does it mean for the Packers? I think you got to start making some tough decisions. And as we transition to what happens next, I think Aaron Rodgers is going on injured reserve. I think the news before the game that the thumb injury was more serious than initially suspected was strategic. Because if the Packers lose, the Packers can say, well, it looks like the injury is pretty bad. We want to preserve Aaron for as long as he wants to play. We're going to put him on injured reserve and let him get completely healthy because playing doesn't allow him to do that. Now he's got a second injury. Even if he says post game, you know, I want to play, All right, sometimes you take that decision out of the player's hand. And look, I don't think you should call Aaron Rodgers selfish or trying to be a hero for wanting to play because we spent, let's just say, 20 years with Brett Favre playing through any number of injuries. And it was always, you know, he's putting his body on the line for the team. He just loves it. He wants to be out there. It's okay. Whatever else you think of Aaron Rodgers, you can give him that same benefit of the doubt too. It's okay that to acknowledge that Aaron Rodgers wants to play and he has some pride there. And to that point, Aaron Rodgers has put a lot on the line for the Packers injury-wise. Two broken collarbones, a broken foot, a tibial plateau fracture, a serious calf injury, now a broken thumb that he's dealt with for a couple of months here. And, you know, with the caveat that there are, there are broken thumbs and there are broken thumbs, not everything is the same level of seriousness, but still it has to be incredibly painful and it definitely affects what he does as, as a player. That's putting it on the line for your team. That's getting yourself ready to play each and every week. I think he should get some credit for that. He hasn't played particularly well with that injury, but he's he's been tough. He's put it all out there. I think you take that decision out of his hands, off his thumb, as it were. So I think you go Jordan Love from here on out. We saw two nice-looking drives. Let's see what he looks like. With a week of preparation, let's see what he looks like on script and off script. Let's see what that looks like next week because the Packers, I think, have an eminently winnable game on the road against the Bears. The Bears got hammered by the Jets today, 31-10. No Justin Fields for the Bears. We'll see if he's ready to play next week. But the Packers, I think, can hang with the Bears. Get a win for Jordan Love. Let him see how he does. I would love to see just kind of maybe this is the the chaos-loving part of me, I would love to see the subset of Packers fans who want the Packers to tank respond to 
Aaron Aaron Rodgers sitting down next week, but the Packers getting a love with or a win with Jordan Love. How do they react to that? All you've wanted this whole time is for Aaron Rodgers to call it a season, so the Packers can tank and Jordan Love goes out and wins a game. What do you react to then? What do you say? Should they have played Danny Etling? To just go full tank here and say we're we're really going to wait until 2023 to get a look at Jordan Love. I kid. If you really want to, you know. If you're that committed to, to tanking out the season, shoot, do whatever you, you got to do. It would be kind of funny, though. In any case, the Packers will play the Bears next week in Chicago. It's the midday kickoff, noon, if you're central time, 1 o'clock on the east, and figure out the rest of the time for yourself if you're someplace else around the world. But that's that's when it's going to happen. And if nothing else for the Packers, if they end up getting a win, both wins over the Bears and a win over Mike McCarthy, that's like the bare minimum good stuff you can have happen in a season. Rookie watch. Quay Walker, four tackles, seven assists today. Stat line looks okay. He got suckered pretty bad on a 41-yard run by Jalen Hurts, though. And late in the game, Quay gets stiff-armed to the turf by Boston Scott, who goes an enormous five foot six and 203 pounds. That's a tough one to live down as a first-round linebacker. Devontae Wyatt looked like he played quite a bit for the Packers today. Ended up with just one tackle on the day. We'll have to see how he grades out elsewhere and what kind of pressures he got, if if any. Christian Watson, another week, another touchdown. Six in three games for him. Four catches, 110 yards the total for Mr. Watson. Not too shabby. Sean Ryan, suspended, did not play. Romeo Dobbs, still hurt, did not play. Zach Tom, active but did not play. J.J. Enigbari, three solo tackles, four assists, looked pretty strong in the edge most of the time. I think he's about where we expected uh, for a rookie fifth-round pick at this point. It's been pretty good, though. I wish we could have gotten more out of him early in the season. wish they would have played him a little bit more. Them's the breaks. Uh, Tariq Carpenter, one special teams tackle. Jonathan Ford was inactive. Rashid Walker, inactive. And Samori Ture, active, did a little bit of jet motion stuff, did not get a target or catch in this game. Clearing out the notebook. Uniforms. I give the Packers a three and a half in this one. Three and a half out of four. Road uniforms under the lights are always about as good as they're going to look. On natural grass, you get some gas, uh, some some grass stains in there. That always looks a little extra good, in my opinion. This is about as good as the Packers, I think, can look in their road whites. Eagles. Three out of four. I don't know what's happening with me. I like the black alternates. I like the black helmets. It's almost a little bit too much of a good thing. Maybe you got to change it up a little bit. Matte green or matte black helmet, maybe. Uh, Maybe some Kelly green accents on the uniforms. Still, as far as alternates go, I really like it. I think I like it more for an Eagles look uh, than the green over green. I don't like that you lose some of the green striping on the Eagles uniforms with the black because they have one of my favorite uniform features in the NFL. They have what's called asymmetrical pants striping. Usually you see like what the Packers have. They have, you know, two colors on the outside and then one on the inside. They just have two colors total. Uh, they have a green stripe and a white stripe uh, on their uniforms. Um, that's that's pretty unusual. Uh, and you lose a little bit of that with their, their black pants, but still overall I like the books or uh, I like the look. The, the pairing, I thought, looked really good. Two out of a, to- a possible two points here. Uh, essentially, you're looking at black and yellow and white. 
not a lot to complain about there. Looks good. Overall, 8.5 out of 10. I like it. It was a solid-looking game. Less solid-looking was the Packers getting victimized again by the dumb defensive uh, low-block penalty. It's such an annoying rule. In this particular instance, Adrian Amos can either choose to get steamrolled by an offensive lineman who's coming down the field, uh, building up his head of steam, or he can just run himself out of the play entirely to avoid getting hit. He has no recourse against this blocker. He can take on the blocker high, which he's never going to win because he's giving up like 100 pounds at least, or he can go low and get a penalty. The defense should be able to counter that block. They should be able to go low and take the blocker out. It's football. Let him do that. I know it's never going to change, and I know teams that are not building that into their offense, like the Packers haven't so far, are putting themselves at a disadvantage. But man, is it annoying to see a guy just doing the only thing he can do to preserve himself and try to make any kind of a play get penalized for it. On the Packers' defense, one of the few bright spots was edge rusher Justin Hollins. One of the stranger stories of the year. Claimed on waivers on Wednesday, he practices with the Packers Thursday on Thanksgiving, and he gets a sack against Jalen Hurts on Sunday. Nice chase down sack, really, really good. Pretty neat. Pretty unusual story. Pretty neat to see, though. Christian Watson, back on the offensive side of the ball, four catches for the third game in a row. Four catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns against the Cowboys. Four catches for 48 yards and two scores against the Titans. And then four catches for 110 yards and a score against the Eagles. Finally, wrapping up with Jordan's Love's night. Jordan Love's night, excuse me. This was only the eighth time in Packers history where a player had a night with 100 or more passing yards and a touchdown on 10 pass attempts or fewer. Bart Starr did it twice, one game, he had 200 in yard, 201 yards and two touchdowns on just nine attempts, just one incompletion in that game. Irv Comp managed to pass both of those thresholds on just seven attempts way back in 1948. So pretty unusual company that Jordan Love finds himself in after his first real action of 2022. It's a bummer to see the Packers lose. But there were certainly some interesting things that happened in this game. What happens next is going to be even more interesting. And for one, I can't wait. Because a big part of doing this is trying to find the interesting stories in the, the times that are not conventionally interesting. And I've always said that change is an interesting time. So many things can happen. You can go so many different ways, so many different decisions that could have played out slightly differently that will have long-term consequences. We're in one of those times right now. And paying close attention to what the Packers do now will bear fruit down the road. If the goal is to become a smarter Packers fan, this is the time where you can set yourself apart. Finding the little details now, the little roster moves, the little decisions the Packers make, that's the good stuff. Winning, of course, is is the great end goal here. You would love to see the Packers win every game, win the Super Bowl every year. But that's not going to happen. And finding those other little interesting things amidst seasons that are otherwise lost or uninteresting is the way that you can really find some some cool stuff out there. So stick with me through the remainder of the season and into the offseason. 
We're going to find some cool stuff together. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you tuning in for the previous 600 or so episodes as well. Really means a lot to me. And I, I really would encourage you to, to tap that uh, speak pipe link and get yourself on the show. I'd love to hear from you. Getting yourself in there, sharing this episode with a friend, are two of the best things that you can do to help this show grow. And it's been through your growth or your work that is that the real growth of the show has happened. So thank you for that as well. That growth is going to get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.